Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture, a podcast exploring the real-life stories of predatory patterns in our everyday lives, with episodes ranging from well-meaning white people to CPTSD and high achievers' anxiety in a world that has a fetish for peak performance. My name is Guru Nishan. I'm a disruptor of cultural indoctrination and actively support the dismantling of false identity by curating uncomfortable conversations on taboo topics hiding in plain sight. I stand committed to breaking codes of silence, shame, and secrecy in our own families, communities, companies, and cultures, but mostly within our own bodies. Our guest today is Anna Sumara. She's a leadership and wholeness coach, passionately bringing a holistic body-oriented approach to support people in their transformative journey, to connect deeper with self and the world, and to thrive in any area of their lives. She integrates unique methods, leadership, neuroscience of change, mindfulness and embodiment, or in short, intelligence of the mind with the wisdom of the heart. Her presence encourages safety and openness in individuals to deepen their courageous personal discovery process and actualize their hidden potential. She believes that in order to transform organizations and our world, we need to start from a personal transformation. Anna holds a master in science in business management and has more than 15 years of international business experience. She works as an individual coach with inspiring and visionary leaders facilitator, trainer, and as well as a faculty member at Coactive Training Institute, where she leads the core curriculum of Coactive Coaching for new coaches and leaders. Prior to that, she held various roles in companies from the financial industry, including consulting, asset management, and corporate. Anna is also fluent and works in English, German, and Polish, and is becoming fluent in Spanish and learning salsa and bachata in her spare time. She's with us today to share her personal lens and to join this conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me here. Welcome everyone. <laughs> so uh, Ana and I are in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and we both work remotely. We're both um, in the field of embodiment and uh, internal healing and supporting others in, in that awakening and learning process. And we happen to be neighbors overlooking the beautiful ocean and in the Riviera Maya. And we happened to be talking one day and, you know, she shares what she does and I share what I do. And I said, I'm, I'm a curator of uncomfortable conversations and we're talking predators. And so we start getting into a conversation. And so it's why I invited you onto the podcast. This is, um, um, an arena that there are so many places we could start. Um, and yet, I guess I just want to pass it on to you of like, when I, when hearing about predators in business community and culture, where does that land for you, uh, specifically in relation to being here and uh, in Mexico and working as a coach? Mm, thank you. Actually, the first thought I was like, wow, it's a huge topic. And I was like, predators. Do you mean predators in ourselves? Do you mean the predators, the society, culture, business? I felt like, oh, I, I can make a list of predators, but 
Is it the predator in myself letting others to do something to me? It's, I, I think it's a huge topic. Um, I want to pause you and just say you're, you're talking about the complexity, right? Yeah. When we say something like predators and community and yeah. culture, there's so many levels to even frame it like you just did, like saying, what about the predators in me? Well, my question on that is as a personal coach um, and in such beautiful certifications that you, you have as well, where do you think the predator in us comes from, if not from culture? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot from the upbringing, from the childhood, and that of course it's not something uh, that you choose on a conscious level. Uh, you've been uh, brought up by certain communities, people, uh, your parents. Uh, you have your own personality, but you have the whole trauma carried with your family and the way you grew up. Um, yeah, sometimes you just. Uh, you have you have the best parents, and small things will make the difference. And sometimes you're lucky to be in a society which is open and uh, and loving, and uh, the melody of your life. That's what you download in the first four to six years. Sounds really uh, friendly, and uh, you know you can dance. So whatever happens later in your life, it's easier to respond in a creative way, but if the melody that you downloaded in the first years of your life is scary, um, then it's hard. So what I hear you saying is if what you got, the melody, that's the Mm -hmm. lingo you're using. So essentially it's like the atmosphere, the, 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 the song or the, the kind of the, the original earliest atmosphere, what you're terming as a melody, if that was harmonic then those patterns play themselves through our life but if that earliest pattern was not if it was Mm -hmm. infused let's say with emotional neglect or abandonment Mm -hmm. or other um well-meaning like where maybe our parents were just working three jobs and they weren't available so it's not that they didn't love us and didn't want to be there but they weren't emotionally equipped for lots of reasons, right? It could mm-hmm. be financial, right? But as yeah. a child, you're not absorbing the reasons. No. You're just absorbing the melody. The like melody. The of melody. <laughs> you just like, you just feel like they left me with some strangers. And this stranger they, hurt me yeah. or whatever. Or, they, or not. They, no, they didn't the even have to. Mm. Could be the best people you have, but your mom left you. And so your and interpretation. You, as a child, mm. you don't take it like. It, she left me because she didn't know I will miss her. She, it must be something wrong with me. You cannot say there's something wrong with her because she's the one who is feeding you, who is giving you love, who gives you a house. She cannot be wrong because your life depends on her. Right. So, so what I hear you explaining is like this fundamental understanding around early childhood trauma mm. that basically is like there's an atmosphere, mm. there's a melody, and the, that earliest context affects so much mm. of our lives. Yeah. And therefore, we could have an inner predator that is really horrible inside, but it's not really us. It's no. a symptom of that earliest melody. Yeah. Yeah. So here in Playa, we are in this beautiful place. A multicultural pot. Uh, there are people from Mexico, and there are like like us uh, coming from uh, different cultures, and uh, 
And it's just amazing to watch how we meet all together. And I would say like the people who are coming here, um, there are also people who come just for holidays, but let's talk about people who come like us for some months and they um, either they work here or they look for something. There are two types of people, I would say. One are running away from something and the second time is running towards something. They want to create something. Mm. But what I've seen a lot, it's running away from something. Mm. So let's context this a little bit, because this is a really mm-hmm. interesting point you're bringing up. For those listeners that don't know, Playa del Carmen is in the Riviera area of, of Mexico, and it's become an incredibly um, fast populated area for uh, digital nomads, but specifically from uh, the onset of COVID and then the laws that took place in Canada specifically, there were a ton of kind of exodus of people who were actually like leaving what was framed as like the tyranny of control, right? From And finding a new place to live. Mm. And then simultaneously because of restrictions in COVID, there's a bunch of other people that are just like, like, to heck with my old life. I'm going to live something. I'm going to do something new. And they suddenly kind of had this kind of, you know, box open up and realize that they could have a much larger playing field to live mm-hmm. in. And so I'm guessing that that's what you mean by the two. But what I'd like you mm-hmm. to do is actually explain what those two categories are mm-hmm. in terms of what yeah. you were just talking about so that we have a context. This area of, 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 of Mexico has always been a place for holiday. But what's really unique about it now is the influx of the amount of Westerners from all over the world that are actually coming to live and inhabit the space and how much um, there is for us here, you Mm -hmm. know, how much it really is um, almost like not being in a foreign country and just kind of how interesting that is in a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say yes and to what you just said. Mm -hmm. They... uh, one trigger was the COVID and the closing down other countries. And also uh, many people I talk to, they just, they don't feel comfortable in their countries anymore. Mm. They don't feel that they want to go back to those uh, bigger companies they work for. They don't like um, that they just cannot be so spontaneous that everything is somehow disconnected. Everyone is disconnected, that they cannot walk barefoot, that they cannot go and dance. And here suddenly they come and people are open and want to talk and it's somehow they feel better. Um, And uh, so they're running away, I guess, from this Western world where people are also disconnected, where there is uh, like where you feel alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, where you don't feel comfortable. Many people with anxiety. uh, I have a friend who just, she told me when she came here, she, um, when COVID started, she's from California, uh, she couldn't go to dancing. Uh, Her school that she just opened, shut down. She had to shut down and she got so such a big anxiety she didn't know what to do like she was losing her mind she told me her husband didn't know what to do her friends didn't know what to do with her her husband said you know what let's go let's go to Mexico it's open and the moment they came here she was still afraid of the COVID but she said like I cannot stay alone there and the moment he saw people dancing somewhere he said to her go and dance and she's like I'm afraid and he just said 
you know, F word, COVID, and just go and dance. She said, she repeated that. And the moment she went and dance, she went and dance next day and the next day. And then she hired a private uh, training instructor. And then she hired a salsa teacher and she stayed for a year and she healed. Mm. She could not walk. She could not do anything. She was crying back home. She was in such a big anxiety. She thought she had to take antidepressant. She healed from all of that just to come here and mm. just to, I don't know what's happened, but like she just went back to her body. She told me she just started dancing. She just started learning a new steps and she could not think anymore about the school and everything is working fine now. She's mm. working online. She has 300 kids in her school now. It grew. Everything was, works perfectly. This saved her life pretty wow. much. Um, so what would you, what do you feel like that's about when mm. you're talking about um, what people are are leaving behind? Yeah, I, I feel like people don't feel alive anymore in places where, they, especially Western, uh, like uh, Western countries, industrialized, uh, people who are well-educated, uh, uh, rich, uh, having money and so on, because they're in the system which gives them that, gives them money, gives them privilege, but takes something away. You cannot say what you think, totally. You have to follow certain lo- roles. You have to dress a certain way, yeah. look a certain yeah, way, act a certain way. express everything. You don't have the, control of your time. No, you don't have, you cannot have your kids running around with you. Uh, you cannot be spontaneous. You know, there's lots of rules. And most of all, people don't say really what they feel. They they don't feel. They don't yeah, feel. I don't think people are feeling. I think that it's a symptom of of the culture of, of, um, you know, it's, it's definitely like a, it's like a, a Western colonialist almost. It's like an extraction model where you might have, have sold in to get all these benefits of life, but your spirit is getting extracted. Mm. That's what I heard yeah. in the story you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. And I see what you mean that so many people have subscribed to that and they might have all these riches and, and, and titles and achievements and uh, degrees. And yet what really brings happiness, right? We know it's, it's not these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like the irony a little bit, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. The irony is that um, Western imperialism and colonialism kind of has created these structures that ultimately is extracting the spirit from people's lives because it's really a disconnection from the earth, right? It's a disconnection from the body. And yet historically, it was it was that white imperialistic, white colonialist that was not letting ritual, not red, letting freedom of movement, not letting song and music and indigenous culture to be alive. And then now that we've made money, we get to leave our tyranny and come and enjoy those same things that historically weren't allowed. And to me, it's just so... I. I love what you are saying. I love where you are pointing, um, because it's on many levels like that, and it's like I think the biggest. Like, like I can give example, which is a little bit different, but it's exactly the same pattern from my life. Yes, 
I grew up in a small town in Poland. So when I was born, it was still communist. Actually, the day after I was born, there was a martial art art, um, law imposed in Poland. So everything was closed. It was winter. My dad... Martial law. Explain what martial law... Martial law is a law where uh, it's like a high state of danger for a country where military law is ruling the country. So prison... So he, so just so you understand, her whole the whole country was in martial law. Yeah. So the military was taking over the country yeah. and shutting things down. Yeah. Like, okay. So keep yeah. Going. So so that's where I that's where I was born. Yes. But when I was I think in the second grade, uh, the communists collapsed and uh, and we uh, like Poland become democratic and you know. But I was still in a, I'm from a small country. We had a house, we had a garden, and we grew our vegetables. We grew our fruits, vegetables, and we also had some uh, animals and uh, like uh, we had chickens with eggs and maybe pigs. And this was totally normal because sometimes there was a shortage of, of food, right, in the shops. So we still had this and this was, so I grew up with very natural food. I know what good food means. Good eggs. Good eggs. Good dairy. Like good bread. Good, yeah, you go to the garden, you want salad, you go to the garden. You go. You want tomato, you go Real to the tomatoes. garden. You want a jam, you need to plant, the, you know, like some fruits. You have to collect them and you, you, you know, like you make the jam and you have a jam, right, in winter. So I know that all. And the funny thing is that now people are going back to that. And this is not normal this is something extra this is like for me it's like baseline normal yeah, it, <laughs> this is this should be normal where this like for some people they don't know it like I, i'm so shocked like you know like i was shocked when i moved out from home and went to university mm. this was the first time when i realized how lucky i was how good i had i didn't know that I thought it was normal, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. And now people are coming back and they're talking about circular economy, for example, and they were explaining to me. And I was like, this is how I grew up. <laughs> and they pay extra money. They will do like workshops on that. And they, you know, to have that. To, like, okay, pause. So. so you just talked about how, you know, here in Plato Carmen, people are doing different like sustainability workshops. Uh, what did you just call it? Uh, the circle economy, yeah. right? There, yeah. People are are speaking about like the importance of sustainability and, and um, you know, keeping money circulating within the community and, and growing and, and right. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about like basic principles of economics that not too many generations ago, our country was founded on most countries live this way. And that there's been like this so slow systematic disruption of our connection to very basic sustenance mm-hmm. and being able to create communities mm-hmm. of sustenance. Mm-hmm. So thank you for giving us that lens because I don't think oftentimes people understand when, when you speak to somebody say from different regions of Europe, just how the connection of the land has so different, say, than this history of people's American upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, somebody has to be from the South or from certain rural areas for that to be the case. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's very interesting because mm-hmm. that leads us to really seeing how predatory patterns 
are very historic, right? And they're very historically drawn on, on political levels for particular agendas to, you know, to pit people and countries and nations against each other, and then to create rhetoric and stories that actually help us form identities around these new constructs instead of around the origin of mm-hmm. where we're actually from. Yeah. And so it creates levels of complexity that end up commingling into new types of culture. So to unpack it becomes very complex because it it's like, you know, it's it's just so complex. I don't even know mm-hmm. where to go. There's one more thing you mentioned about the disconnection that pe- we are so disconnected. I had the moment in my life where I had to disconnect from myself to survive in a sense. Uh, and this was in a corporate world. Because you said like people are, you know, we talk about how people are disconnected in the Western culture. And I sometimes feel like they disconnect because they don't feel that they can do it differently. Uh, and that's when you work in a corporate world. Um, I remember when I joined and I was hired by someone who was okay and he was my manager. And then they changed the manager and it was just so toxic. And whatever, and I come, you have to imagine, like I come from a house where my parents had some small businesses and then I work in a small consulting companies, usually smaller companies where you do things that matter and then make sense. Because you don't have extra time and money to do things which don't make sense. You also have a small leadership yeah. circle that's yeah. contained. Exactly. Also, like around the house, in the garden. Yes. Like you think you do things like in the most sufficient way because you don't want to like uh, spend 10 hours in the garden if you can spend five or let's say this way. So I, I joined this corporate company and then suddenly I am in a place where people do some big project, which doesn't make sense to me. I question things and I'm being all the time like slapped pretty much for questioning things. And I'm like, am I getting mad, like mad? Or is it, am I crazy or are they all crazy? They probably thought I'm crazy. Why is she asking those questions? Like she just- That's not allowed here. Just shut up. And do whatever we tell you to do. And I'm like, why do they want to do that? It doesn't make any sense, right? But I'm like coming from the place, we make things that make sense. And to create an impact. Yeah. And I was just being slapped all the time. And also one of uh, people told me I was in a HR group, never go to HR if you have a problem here, because you will have more problems so you're saying you went to hr for help and instead you no. i was working in a hr group and they said if you're from hr never go to hr oh really yeah why you will have problems they will not they will always stand with your manager manager of manager whoever is hired so you're saying you worked in hr and hr people basically were like complaints that shouldn't come here or they're going to just never be resolved that's a horrible thing. How does one how does one um, grow and thrive in an environment like that? You don't, unless you're not very how to say. 
Well, if you follow, if I would just follow blindly my manager who I didn't respect because uh, I didn't find him very, uh, you know, intelligent or even nice or anything, like if I would just say yes and bow my head, I would be fine. But I was stupid enough to ask questions, Mm. right? So where they were like slapping me, Mm. no one around me said anything. anything. Yeah. So I just want to stop here and just say, you know, that's really gaslighting. That's what that is. Like you're being made to believe you're crazy for asking a question around how something is going to operate and how it's going to impact, who it's going to impact, who it's Mm going to serve. Is it the best route Mm -hmm. to get there? Mm -hmm. I mean, they could Mm -hmm. all be like interesting Mm -hmm. questions. But for me, everything you're saying is exactly why I know I never worked in corporate because mm-hmm. I that level of conformity never made any sense to me because it was obviously robbing my spirit of its yeah. of its uniqueness, of its wholeness. And yet if that's all we learned, right? If that's the only thing you've ever known is possible, right? You worked in this environment. How did you end up not working in these types of environments? So when I joined this environment, I didn't know that. You say so you're just in there, like, like being made I didn't to be know. crazy, but so, you yeah, didn't. Okay. I, like I didn't know that. It's not that I worked there for 15 years. No, I didn't know that. Like I was shocked. Like I didn't know. Like imagine, like you come with your. Uh, I think I'm quite like uh, logical thinker, open-minded, asking questions, fast learner. I was never had any problem anywhere. They always throw me on the to the deep water. I always swim and. You know, and suddenly I'm here and and nothing is working and I'm doing my best. I'm good at what I was doing. I was really good. That's why they Mm. uh, kept me also, right? Mm. But like what doesn't work, I talk to people I shouldn't talk, which means like senior, senior people and so on. So at some point I had to disconnect from myself because I could not be there. You know, because like, I was like, what's going on? But also I started talking to people from other companies and it looked like it's the same or it's more or less the same patterns. So like, mm. like you start doubting in yourself. yourself right? And if you're in the meeting, you just like, you try to withdraw because you know, the moment you again ask something or you comment something, mm. it will be you who is wrong. It will be you who is bad. And so you start to disconnect from yourself mm-hmm. right as a matter of necessity exactly to survive That's what the I'm environment saying. exactly so imagine like those people who stay there for long they disconnected because they need to survive luckily for me didn't take very long time to realize like i don't want to live this way i just didn't know what to do and then I started thinking about coaching because I was always good with people. I always was curious about who is this person, what you know, what triggers this person, and so on. Mm. So I took a coaching course. And then when I like came back to myself, you know, step by step, I came back to myself, and it took me uh, still uh, almost two years to quit just because I wanted to, you know, finish my uh, coaching education, get some clients and so on. And at some point I could not stay there anymore. But the point is some people disconnect because we created the system they they live in, they operate in that 
if they are connected, they either have to leave, whether it's co- company, school, family, I don't know, country, the environment, exactly, right? Or you you connect with yourself and you see something is wrong, but everyone else seems to be fine, so it's, it must be you, right? You either leave or you just go mad. Right. Or you compartmentalize and find, put parts of yourself away and realize, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to do this and that in order to thrive in this environment. And it, it is, it's like, it's like a slow disintegration of self. You know, I I didn't work in corporate, but I did um, build a multi-level marketing Mm -hmm. business in a corporate way. And even though I knew I was conforming to certain things, I thought that I was doing it like kind of with a level of awareness but I think what, what we don't often realize is that in these environments where the structures and systems aren't about our thriving and kind of contributing to the co-creation of the mission of, a, of this organization, but we're just kind of a, a, a peg in this much larger wheel and we're not a part of being able to see the vision or the mission. We're just the pawns that get moved when those leaders make those decisions. It, over time, it's very extractive. It, it, it does the same thing that, you know, I think colonialism and, and, mater- and imperialism and essentially what predatory patterns are is they extract um, our life force energy, you know, mm-hmm. our spirit is is that, that natural creative energy that makes us us. It's unique to uh, mm-hmm. each one of us. Yeah. And so when su- systems and structures say you have to do it this way, it's automatically a thing that goes against the nature of the animal body called you and I. Mm. And because we don't necessarily grow up in a large, you know, we have this real Western view of things because of historical imperialism, we're not connected to pulsations and rhythms of the earth and kind of like these, these indigenous rituals that Mm. were earthbound Mm-hmm. And we're sl- I see the, the movement back to that original mm-hmm. source wisdom that got extracted by colonialists, you know, that they basically, um, and, and that's why I want to have these conversations because as we wake up, and I, I mean Westerners, and it doesn't mean Westerners are always white. Westerners can be every shade under the sun, but we can still hold a Western construct that limits us from really seeing the patterns we're participating in. We can't not have predatory patterns in us if we come from environments that are predatory. Yeah. It's, we're going to have them. We're, yeah. we're going to even play them out because we're playing them out to secure our own safety. Whether we recognize it or not, <laughs> we're always, right? So a part of the conversation is to start speaking to things that we all do all the time. For instance, I, this is why I find your story so fascinating because you ended up in this corporate environment and then suddenly was like, am I the only one noticing this? You know, but if you don't know it's not normal, then that's just Mm. what you go along with. You just happen to not think that was normal and Mm. say, I need to get the heck out of here. But if you stay there over time, you wouldn't think that. There would be a part of you that have numbed out perhaps and you would have stayed there longer, especially maybe if you hit the leadership ranks and you got some of the benefits of these higher levels. And I'm not saying you personally, I'm just saying that can happen to any one of us. We can end up, and I know it happened to me in my business. When I hit the leadership ranks, you're getting a sense of validation. 
belonging, a sense of camaraderie and specialness. And these are the types of things that get preyed on in predatory formulas because Every one of us needs to be validated, needs to feel like we belong, needs to feel like our work matters. So when you hit levels and then suddenly you feel noticed, it makes you want to put more focus and work and effort. So there's a reason why there's levels and there's promotions and there's, you know, incentives to get us to not think and feel and notice what does my body want versus this achievement culture that just gets us chasing after the the next, you know, the next promotion, the next prize, making the next amount of money. And now the opposite of that, having more freedom, breaking those structures and creating our own self-sovereignty. Like I hear the the pendulum swift shifting in that arena now that some of the people are breaking out of the, the extraction model of capitalism. Yeah, I can, I can see a lot of that in some of my clients and and it's hard. Um, and uh, but the one thing which is um, uh, giving me—I don't know if it's hope—but there's something like the moment you felt something, you cannot take this feeling away. You know, you felt it. If you work with people, and suddenly that's also what you said when you start feeling the earth the ground, when you have this moment of connection with the nature, you, no one is going to take it away from you. Something shifted in you. And this little hole where the light goes through will be always, there will be always this hole. And this will be always like um, itching you a little bit and you cannot take it away. So very often people have to do something with that. And that's where the self um like inner journey starts the self um, development or you know like building self awareness journey starts mm-hmm. because there was something and our human nature we know like we are the animals we have that we know that this was true and you kind of you cannot forget this so yeah um and i think what you are talking about the pendulum this, I would say yes to that in Western countries. And there's so much hungry countries still. Like if you look at Asia, Asia and Africa, Eastern Europe, they're still hungry. You're talking they about like, the level of poverty you're talking about. Or what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, they hunger for success. They hunger oh. for having what, like you already had that comfortable life or, you know, like you come from industrialized country. And so like India is 120 maybe years behind or something. So they catching up. They still want, they want to go to the big chains uh, for shopping. They want to like... So yeah, but I, so that's what I don't I'm you saying. think that that's a function of of Western imperial imperialism? Yes, it is in all of it those is. countries. Because so what you're terming as hunger, I would call as a symptom of Western imperialism that they're chasing after what they think. Yeah, yeah that's hunger for right. yeah, exactly so it's a, for it's those ch- things. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, that in and of itself represents a predatory system mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm makes a lot of people in in 
what's called third third world countries think that you know the western ideal is the one to chase mm-hmm. when so many people here and in western society are you know mental health is horrible and there's you know all these things that are showing all these stats that are showing that the way of life isn't you know better right mm-hmm. um i guess that's not really the pendulum I was thinking. I was more thinking the pendulum stays within the construct of the Western mind, mm-hmm. meaning the Western okay. mind okay. is starting to realize yeah, yeah. that indigenous people had it right all the time, the whole time. But I don't believe that recognition is actually taking place. I just believe it's the same form of extraction, just without awareness added to it. So I, I don't know where you come in on that, but I, I find it I'm not judging it because I'm as much a part of it as anything, you know, but I am bringing it out loud because if we don't acknowledge it and speak to it and, and, and say, there's, there's a privilege isn't the right word for me. You know, it's more like these structures that allow us to kind of create financial, financial capital and yet very low in other types of capital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so therefore it's automatically bound in a predatory system mm-hmm. because if we're gonna chase after one, we automatically lose the other. And so to be able to have both is, is somewhat of a privileged space because there is the circle where it's like, wow, our ancestors participated in not letting people have connection to the land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in not letting people have their music, their language. And here we are learning new language. You know, it's like, it's all these, it's layers of predatory patterns that then break open and become freedom, but it's actually a new form of a predatory pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I see it. And, uh, uh... and you're a transformation coach. So it's like, I'm not thinking just in terms of your clients, but more like, as a coach, I know you look around and you see complexity of communities, complexity of, of people and patterns. Like you, you look at the mm-hmm. world in patterns similar to the way I do and look at, hmm. Yeah, the, there's something like, uh, which is interesting because the awakening or I don't know, questioning the way we live so far and the, coming back to our bodies some people come back to spirituality but it's um it sometimes stays on a very shallow level like people will go to yoga or become vegan or sound healing yeah take an ayahuasca journey exactly or go to ecstatic dance but what's the intention here right and they like why are you doing this or like you know, and it's um, and it sometimes sounds like those people are still the same people. Like nothing changed. It's just the label changed mm. now because um, uh, like the the good. I think it's um, also like um, example is like com- uh, companies are being now be- uh, like invited or their benefits when you uh, when you start to producing um like um co2 neutral products or something and they do it because it's neutral and they benefit from it so the kpis hasn't haven't changed they the why they are producing this product is because they're going to get a profit 
not because they want the, no the, because they're the intention is exactly where you're from. Okay, okay they of course they say to the world it's, i'm doing that because it's green because it's vegan because it's that but so they're getting the validation actually, but mm-hmm. actually it's profitable so if but they're if, doing it for extraction yeah so they're they're performing it for validation but they're doing it to actually get something the profit and it's about the profit again. Which is a business model that is one that a company can choose. And yet it is a form of predatory operating. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. interesting. But, but there is a difference of uh, why the intention, why do you think, do the same things are very different. Mm-hmm. Like if you are a married person out of fear that you, this is the last person I can marry, your marriage will be very different if you would have married this person because you really love this person, right? It's still the same things we are doing. Okay, so what I would experience with that is one is the fear of not getting something else, so therefore I have to take that person versus the trust that I can have what I actually want. Yeah, I love you. Like, I I want to be with you. I desire you. So one is desire-based. This is what I desire. And one is the love. And then one is fear. fear. Yeah. So in saying that, that's, I guess there's a quality we have to learn how to feel Mm -hmm. in order to detect predatory environments. Yeah that aren't going away, ladies and gentlemen. They aren't going away. They're not going away in us. They're not going away in others. We can get better and better at noticing them and creating new patterns and habits that more support how we want to live in full awareness in our lives. But we have to know that some of these patterns run us. Mm -hmm. And the fear of being afraid of not finding the love I want, that... Does you can have the awareness you're doing that and still not be able to do anything about it for a long time because yes. awareness isn't enough. No, 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 because your body will stop you. Your because body's your, fear, yeah, right? The fear yeah, that yeah, lives yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, body. Yeah. So we can be aware of our fear. And if we don't actually learn how to access where the body mm-hmm. lives and where the fear lives in the body, then mm-hmm. we can't actually create a new pattern. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying all that to say predatory patterns are infused in all aspects of our life. It's one thing to learn to identify them. And then it's another thing to actually be able to move into a way of creating new patterns, Mm -hmm. but they're very different stages and places of our own um, inner and outer experience. Mm -hmm. So this is a part of identifying them because we can't even learn how to connect if we can't even notice the signs of disconnection. Right. Or the signs of our, our spirit getting extracted and being like, no, this is not normal. No. Right. That it's um, same thing with the, how do I know when I'm being led by fear in my body? What are some of the symptoms that one would feel in their body if their body was communicating Mm -hmm. halt and freeze, Mm -hmm. not freeze fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Those symptoms will be very different for different people. Because if you are in a fear mode, like you go to reactive mode. And so your reactive is fight, flight, or freeze. And those fight, flight, or freeze uh, can take different shapes. And it might be like, when you're talking to your mother, it's fight, it's, you always fight, right? When But when you talk to your husband, 
is the flight, which you avoid, for example, conflicts, whatever that is. But this will show up in your body. This is what you learn in childhood, which helped you to survive and be okay, maybe in school. So you carry that with you. Mm -hmm. You carry that for the rest of your life, unless you actually take some time, you pause, and you, like you said, like, I want to be different in conflicts, but I don't know uh, how to do it. Now I recognize, I always avoid the conflict, but I don't know how to speak up. Like, there is no voice in my throat. The <laughs> moment I want to say something, there's no voice, right? Yes. So you have to check this. Like, you have to go into your body, actually. Stay with that a little bit. You you have to probably work with someone. Get support and here. Get support here, this. right? Mm-hmm. But you can mm-hmm. identify what's there. And then you can build how do you want to be when you are fully... Uh, balance, when you're fully grounded, when you're connected with yourself and train that and train that and train it and train it and train it. So your body learn. And when the conflict comes, it will be still at the beginning hard, but you might be able to respond differently. You might not have to react, right? But this is the work we need to do. So what you like, where you're pointing that we all grew up in the predatory environment, which means we all have something, right? And it's very enmeshed with other really amazing good qualities. Yes. And so we have to know that the predatory pattern is not what Anna's describing as the trauma pattern. The predatory pattern Mm -hmm. is not the freeze, fight, or fleas, or fawn. The predatory pattern is the earliest environment that created those protective mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And what I see happening in, say, the self-development world and even in the spiritual healing trauma lingo world, and I really want to hit this home in our conversation, is people are making their trauma patterns what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And to me, they're the brilliance of us. They're the protective system that has gotten us here. Yeah, yeah. So to start condemning that those aspects of us is actually a part of the original predatory pattern. Mm-hmm. To self-condemn is a part of capitalistic extraction predation. And the reason is because if we learn to self-condemn that it's our fault, that all those patterns that are protecting us are our fault, we don't actually stop and see that there's a larger structure that's running us, that's teaching us this level of self-beratement so that we don't know how to heal. And, you know, and, and healers like us or, or coaches like us pause that to say, uh-uh, mm-hmm. no, that's a wrong, that's not a true story. Where did that story come from? Whose story is that that's playing in you, right? So it's that subtlety. Anyway, I want to know how you feel about that in terms of, I think the protective mechanisms, fight, flight, and freeze are are in support of us. They're not the predatory pattern. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, very often when I work with people and they recognize something like that, uh, we thank them. 
mm. that they show up. The patterns. Yeah. Mm. I thank you that you show up. Mm. And I needed you when I was maybe six years old because back then, because very often, you know what's, what's happened when I work with people, when you go to your body, to parts of the body that feel uncomfortable, suddenly memory will show up. I ha- happened all the all time. The time right? <laughs> yes. And it's very often the, 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 um, it's a memory from childhood or from very strong emotional event. And by the way, it doesn't have to be actually like memories of recall. It can be pictures, yeah. it can be images, yeah, it can yeah. be sense, it can be exactly. sounds, exactly. Going. sensory memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we realize that this is where my clients remember this uh, reactive came uh, from. Came from. This is where they remember. I remember the first time this came or this happened you know, when something happened then. And so I love that. So we need to recognize it, that this pattern, like you develop this, not pattern, sorry, reactive tendency to uh, protect you because you were usually small or you were in the situation where there was no other way you couldn't find any other response in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that saved you. And it was amazing, right? It's brilliant. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But today, let's say you're so 40, anymore. right? <laughs> you're 40 or you're 35 or 60, whatever, doesn't, doesn't matter. You don't need that anymore because you can respond differently and you want to respond differently. So we need to thank that. And we also need to recognize that this um, reactive tendency is going to come back many, many times. And at any given moment, you can say, thank you for coming and You're trying amazing. to protect You're me, so good. but I don't need you anymore. And I'm going to ask you to step away. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. So yes, we never neglect, we never say this was wrong. This is wrong. You are wrong. Never. Because we are not wrong. I think this is a really, really important point. Because it's so easy for people to use language that says, you know, I, I don't want to focus on, on something that's negative. <laughs> yeah, all, all the time. And, and to me, I just want to pull my fucking hair out when I hear it. Because it's like, no, we have to turn towards the darkest spaces of ourselves and just illuminate them. Say, hey, what's going on in there? Hey, what do you have to share with me? That these memories, mm-hmm. as you said, the memories you know are stored in our body. But speak to that. Speak to the mm-hmm. negative. You know, well, I just don't want to focus on the negative. I'm just going to focus on the positive mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what's in the past is in the past, and I just want to focus on 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 where I'm going and the amazing mm-hmm. life I can create if I just live with from my heart. Yeah, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, and. And that's also very cultural. I noticed working with people from their, uh, different cultures. I feel like in the Northern America, uh, in the USA and probably Canada, people tend to be like, ah, think positively, positive, positive, and so on, right? Uh, so there is also in the culture not allowing you actually to stop and say, I'm sad. I don't have a good day. Or something like that, right? So it's it's even hard to admit. Well, actually, you know what? I don't feel that great, to be honest. All right. And that you and can so, say that in a common interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and 
So the thing is, when I work with people, is it's not about staying and cherishing and staying in the process of, you know, whatever happened in the past, but just recognize, have the capacity, you know what people are lacking, capacity to stay whatever it is, whatever it is present, whether it's sadness or it's joy, whether it's anger or it's happiness, like, just stay, just say, you know what? I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, I'm happy, um, I don't know, right? Whatever, just the capacity to stay with that, mm-hmm. not without needing to uh, or wanting to change it. Well, I think we've just been so trained out of our emotions. And I find that interesting that you've spoken, you know, that specifically a North American thing. That's like, which I'm hearing is United States, Mm -hmm. United States and Canada Mm -hmm. um, and and westernized cultures that are modeling after, you know, Mm -hmm. the 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 U.S. And that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I think that the personal development, the positive mental attitude movement has been huge, you know, throughout the U.S. um, in the last, you know, several decades. And, you know, that's where that stuff really comes from. And to me, it really just represents the imbalance between head and and heart, the body and mind, the imbalance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, right? The action oriented self versus the pausing. So it goes back to, you know, this extraction capitalistic Mm. colonial model around like, if you're not being productive, you're not worthy. Um, Mm -hmm. And to stay positive, you know, I guess what disturbs me so much about it is I feel like some of these people know better, you know, they're talking language around like, I'm a, I'm a trauma facilitator and, you know, whatever. They're using language of connecting to the body of, of, of using, you know, somatic mind, heart, spirit union, and, and, and then are lost in the positive etheric right and Mm -hmm. and are missing the body like they might be using the language of mind body spirit and 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 this i know in your experience has can go into like a corporate story but also this is just taking place amongst say small facilitation groups that we're seeing here in Mm -hmm. vital karma where you know everybody has an event every day of the week of some sort and amazing facilitators but most of them i feel really are just traumatized people trying to heal Mm-hmm. And they're busy facilitating, trying to help other people's trauma process. And I get exhausted watching it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say on that? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a huge topic uh, because um, it's like blind, walking the blind, right? And, um, and it's scary because they can be re-traumatizing scary. Yeah, they people. can be re-traumatized because... The thing about trauma is that, uh, or that trauma can also happen uh, if, or you get re-traumatized if, if you, let's say, go into your traumatic experience and the person who is with you is not grounded, is, is facilitating. Yeah, the, the faci- facilitator, facilitator right. a coach, or whoever, he, the, whoever person the person yeah. is, right? Whatever they call themselves. Yeah, exactly, because we co-regulate each other. Mm. So one of us has to be stable. One of us has to be grounded, mm. rooted, 
however you want to call it, but it means that your uh, nervous system has to be at, at its optimum if you want me to open up with my past traumas. Because otherwise, my nervous system, we are animals, will sense the danger because you are not, you know, Stable. like you're shaky. Right. And my, if I start to open up with the, you know, like trauma, tra traumatic experience, my nervous system, my body will know. So my body will, my will shuts down because it feels it's not stable. And people don't know that. This is happening and you might not even know it's exactly. happening. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Because That's we haven't been taught about co-regulation mm -hmm. or our nervous systems or, or, and going back to what you're saying, we haven't been able to help and not enough people have been able to learn how to build capacity to hold whatever sensation yeah. or emotion yeah. they're feeling without trying to default yeah. it to positive. Yeah. And, and so speaking back to predatory patterns, this in and of itself is, you know, extractive healing. That's what it feels like to me. It's like people are using the lingo of healing. Mm -hmm. They're using the lingo of, you know, the body and trauma healing and heart centered and just all these wonderful terms. And so if you're this new person awakening to your path to kind of find your way and kind of leave the old aura and try to, you know, craft a new path, it's very scary to see some of, you know, these kind of like young, naive, fresh blood ending up in these circles with people that don't have stable currents. And yet they're the facilitators um, where if, if you or I were in that space, we would immediately feel that the facilitator isn't grounded per mm -hmm. se. Yeah. So how can one actually tell the difference? Can they, if they haven't learned how to self-regulate? Hmm. I feel like some, some people will feel something, right? They just this might not like, know how to trust it. Exactly. Okay. I think the, the, the challenge is like that you feel something and sometimes you don't know how to name it. You don't have the language yet. And your culture might have taught you to exactly, doubt yourself. Right? Exactly. And okay. I know it from my own experience huh. that many, many times in my life, I knew things like my body knew. I trusted my body. There was something off. I could not tell you what was off, but something was off my, like I had a few times in my life, stay away from this person. Mm. It was so strong. Mm. I, and I stayed mm. uh, away. And sometimes those people show up in my life afterwards and they seem to be okay for a short period of time. And then there I actually it. realized that they weren't. Wow. And so that's so interesting because your body gives you the hint. Always. But you have to listen. Like you have to trust. And it's hard when you are young, like you said, or maybe not even young, but when you are young into like uh, new into this, looking into yourself and you want to share with someone. You feel like you found your people. You feel like I can, you know, share here. And yeah, and actually it's not the best place for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's hard, I think. Yeah, because I think mm -hmm. if we grow up, going back to our earliest environment, we can grow up in an environment where we learn not to trust ourselves. So um, we might've had those original instincts and, and then we learned oh, that's not safe. You can't listen to yours because the environment conditioned you. Even school conditions us to not trust ourselves. So it's like, 
there's there's levels where we learn this stuff. We can learn it within a family context, but we can also learn it within our society. So you have to ask yourself, okay, what country was I born? What were the dynamics in that country? What was the social status I had in that country? What was the economic status? Because you can be of another culture and from that culture. So you might be like Chinese American or, you know, Polish American, right? Or you could be... Uh, Muslim and from Poland, right? So all these little things create layers to us that are either enforcing or de-enforcing our own inner capacity mm. to feel and trust yeah. our animal body and our knowing. Your religious environment can significantly mm. shape that. So nobody from the surface, we don't know someone's story, but we pretend like we do because we're given narratives all the time that Polish people are like this and Americans are like this, but there's so many nuances to the ways mm. in which we become how we are mm. and how we've learned to get back to the basic body instincts mm -hmm. of listening. I would like to speak to something. You just triggered something in me and I was taking some um, uh, dancing lessons and bachata lessons with mm. two um, dancers. And, and one of the things my teacher, she told me, she said, Anya, you will have different guys leading you, and, but you stay yourself. You don't go faster if the guy goes faster. Or if he is like pulling you, you don't uh, raise your energy. You stay who you are. Like you keep your core, you, the way you dance, if they throw your arm, you have still four counts to come back. You take your time, you stay. Why I'm saying that mm. is because I learned, I lived in, this is fifth country I live in. Mm. I speak four languages. I, uh, I can talk to anyone, to scientists, to CEOs, to uh, you know beggars on the streets. They all think I'm friends with them. Like I'm from the, the world because I can adapt. Mm. And I adapted when I was dancing and I, I learned dancing in clubs. So I thought as a woman, I have to adapt. Now I'm unlearning the bad patterns, bad mm. uh, habits in dancing. And I also know I have my uh, voice in, in the sense. And so what you were pointing to also, like coming from different cultures and uh, living in another country, there are people who are adapting. So we are losing ourselves. So I think- Out of necessity. Out of- To survive. Survive, <laughs> to, you know, to build the relationship. To figure it out. To and adapt to culture. Exactly. It's what so we do. last few years, I also like, I noticed that, right? Uh, because I've been out of my country for 19 years now. Wow. Uh, so lots of adapting. Wow. To thrive in new country, you have to adapt. Uh -huh. They won't. Like you are the one who came here, learn the language. You're the one, learn the culture. You know, if mm -hmm. something is wrong, it's you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like you have to adapt. So I was trying to adapt, adapt, adapt. And what well, that's exactly this predatory also like. Yeah, it is. Adapt to us. So how to stay yourself while still being able to have the relationship, relationship have the connection, uh, be who you want to be. Who do you want to be in your life, right? Mm. I think that's the question we don't ask ourselves. Who am I truly like? And stay stay with that while like staying with you in the relationship. 
That's right. I think that you just brought such a good point up in, in that, you know, we adapt out of necessity and, and adaptation is a brilliant aspect of our, of our, of our ability. Like I've always prided myself in my adaptability. Like right. it's one of the things right. that has shaped my identity right. and I could go anywhere in the world and, and to be able to then pause and realize that, wow, something that has served me and has shaped my identity and supports and is an asset in so many ways actually can be a hindrance somewhere else. And so here in your dancing lesson, you, you get, but because of good guidance, you had a good teacher that just gave you a very subtle ad ad adjustment that says, you get to take up that space. You, you get to have a self and then kind of watch where what happens within that and what I love about that is it's to me that's the required nuance that all of us have to begin developing within our own sensory bodies to really begin to have better conversations around predators and community and culture because mm -hmm. predators in business are everywhere. We could talk corporate, we could talk uh, financial predatory lending, we could talk, doesn't matter what, what area, it could be real estate, right? Talk about banking. We can go all the ways in which business has been predatory in people's lives. My story, your story. Then we go into community and culture and we're talking about cultural appropriation and we're talking about, you know, all the way back to colonialism and imperialism. This stuff is not easy stuff to unpack because the micro ways that it shows up in our everyday lives are real to us. Mm -hmm. And so where we have to begin is in our own body because we can watch, oh, I learned how to do this survival mechanism that's gotten me here and that's amazing. Then you can have the awareness. I don't want to do that anymore, but you still do it. But of course you still do it. Hello, because where is it going to go? It's habituated. Like you learned how to do something that's helped you become you. So awareness helps and having good support helps because somebody can point out something that you can't see yet, but they get to see. So who we surround ourselves by helps yeah. identify. Putting yourself in environments where your normal isn't the normal because then it automatically illuminates your habituated ways of being that you're assuming are just standard, but they're not. They're just standard in your world. And so to me, I think the nuance you're really bringing up is the realm I play around cultural intelligence and what I call body-based cultural intelligence, that cultural intelligence begins in us, you know, and what are the stories and the narratives that we've heard, seen, and learned that has shaped us. And are we putting ourselves regularly in environments that poke mm -hmm. those veils, yeah. that really break up those illusions because none of those are real and they're very real because they helped us become us. Mm -hmm. And they're not who we are, they're just the product of the environment we've come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard, uh, like, uh, I'm, I come from Poland and people, when, uh, when they ask me, where do you come from? And they're like, are you from Eastern Europe, right? I said, no. And they look at me, they doubt. And I say, I'm from Central Europe. Because people don't know. They don't even know geography. Like, geography <laughs> where the Europe ends, but two and a half days. This is, this is the it's concentric like, view of America. From Americans. Moscow or St. Petersburg, you have to go on the train 
one and a half or ten and a half days on the train, and that's where the border between uh-huh. Europe and Asia is. I feel your so pain right now. So it's, um, <laughs> but it's also it's very interesting because people will correct me. You're from Eastern Europe, right? And those are people from Western world who sometimes didn't even live in Europe didn't even we're talking about Americans or Canada also but also Western Europeans the Western Europeans also correct me Ah. all that's Eastern Europe right oh how funny politically we are not Eastern we are like culturally we are in between you know Poland was like tear apart between Germany Russia and Austria my country didn't exist for 120 years three generations there was no exist. Poland on the map. Who culture, language, uh, uh, every religion, state, people, all that stayed, but it wasn't located on the geography like, of anybody's world. There was no, no. There were hidden schools. Like there was no Poland. Think about that. I wow. so and people told me culture. like now, on a global level, they will always say. I come from the privileged world or I come from, you know, white supremacy and so on, right? Where I am from the country. You're talking about white people trying to stay woke? Yeah. Okay, just sorry. Sorry. I was like, who are you talking about right now? (laughs) No, but I'm talking about the, uh, especially from Northern Europe, like, yeah, you're privileged, you're white, you're that, 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 right? When I went to Austria as a student, I got my scholarship. they were like, yeah, you're from Eastern world, Eastern uh, Europe, or you were like, I could see even walking to the shop and asking something with my accent, they will treat me very differently. And um, so what I'm trying to say, like, I wasn't privileged in that sense. I wasn't privileged when I was in London because there was lots of talking about Polish stealing jobs. I always had the job where I spoke German. So I always ask the first question I ask, do you speak German? No. So I didn't steal your job, right? Let's finish the conversation here, right? <laughs> but it's the what I hear also you're talking about is the rhetoric that politics brings in of naming mm-hmm. of of naming territory yeah. and naming the rights of people and how say I think whiteness is a better conversation for United States and and mm-hmm. this region because we lost the chance to even identify as Europeans, mm-hmm. right? So there's been so many. So it's and yet that conversation, people will get all Europeans will get yeah. dumped into this yeah, category. Yeah, yeah. What that's what I hear you say yeah, but, of the white privilege yeah. when really economically you you weren't in any status of privilege whatsoever. We're talking about social economic status. Mm-hmm in layering who we are in our experience. And at the same, like, so I was not privileged when I was there as a student or really uh, uh, like adult in, in London and so on. But I am privileged when I'm here and I see it. Interesting. You see? Yes. So at the same time, the coin there it exists. has to... Uh, faces right Mm. and so it's very interesting like how that the same things will make me privileged and not privileged we have to like in a different context and and so very good i had an example also it's when i was a student in austria there was a girl sitting next to me with headscarf very religious from Turkey. She didn't know, this was an exam. I didn't know her, but she was already there like for at least three years or something studying and you know, And she was like, help me, help me, help me, help me, right? And I was writing my exam 
And so the uh, the professor sees us. She he sees a girl in a headscarf, very innocent, and the girl with long blonde hair, voluptuous shapes, you know, tight uh, top. Like, who do you think is cheating? Right? He's like, you go to the back. He said that to you. Yeah, of course. Go to the back, right? You sit down and like, okay, I'm writing. And there there was a there were two guys in front of me. And they like they turned, okay, which question do you need? And they thought, like, also I'm cheating, but they wanted to help me because they liked me. Again, mm. same thing. Like, you know, it's black and white. Like you turn the coin is different, right? Same thing. I think that's also like this predict. You know, like yeah, those paradoxes exist all the way. God, I think this is just such an important point in that the area we're pointing at is often illuminating that very thing in us because we often don't have the nuance to detect it in others unless it actually is rumbling in us. And so this is what gets us into the language, like in the coaching field is, you know, Carl Jung and and shadow, you know, really pulling up the unconscious debris in us that makes us blame others for those things that's really in us. And so the responsibility we can take is, are we asking ourselves better questions in different contexts Mm -hmm. that the very thing that, this recently showed up for me in, um, in realizing that the business I was in was very predatory. And because I climbed the leadership ranks in that business, I thus perpetuated predatory behavior. And I recruited thousands of people in this very predatory model. I'm sure plenty of people have stories of me being their predator. And, um, and I'm at a place in my journey that I can fully own that and be like, like dismember that that part of me that was just, that didn't know, that didn't realize I was under the influence of mind control and abusive tactics in business that were teaching me abusive tactics. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of self-forgiveness we have to begin to have Mm -hmm. when, when the only lens we're seeing through is the lens we've been taught to see until suddenly that cracks and we realize, oh shit, I'm the one privileged now, or, whoa, you know, I'm repeating a, an imperialistic model unknowingly, but I'm just living out my free life. I've worked really hard in my life. Don't I deserve to express my freedom? And, and, one ha- and while that may be true, you've worked hard in your life, you deserve to express your freedom and happiness. It doesn't discount our ability in a new context to ask a different question. Wow, how am I perpetuating predatory behavior in a new cultural context in a way that perhaps I don't yet see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one good example on that. <laughs> Please. If we have time. And this yeah. happened um, here in Playa del Carmen. Mm. And there's something about men, men, because it's pred- predatory. Like we, we are, most of this world is very much, um, you know, machismo and men driven and uh, which is a part of the historical training of the patriarchy yeah so so there is something very important i want to uh, name uh i went went out dancing and i was dancing with someone i i know before and um and we always had fun in dancing and i love like 
you know, in dancing, have fun, not, not just dance like mechanically, but, and so we were doing like some silly things and it was fun and we talked a little bit and then, and for me, it's only dancing. I just want to dance, nothing else. Then he asked me, how about you take me home? He did not. And bold ass. And I didn't feel any, like I, like, I was like, uh, you know what? I'm not taking home boys, right? But in the voice, like, it's not like, no, how did you dare? But like, I'm not taking home boys with me. And then he turned and he left. I thought he was going just to, I think he took his chewing gum. I thought he was going to throw it away and come back. And we have conversation about this as adults. Because I know him from uh, his professional area and he's very accomplished. Mm. And I saw him accomplishing something in front of hundreds of people, really doing it well. Uh, he's like, I don't know, 40 plus. You would imagine mature guy. No, he just walked away. Interesting. And I was like, what just happened? And I danced, just someone came up, we danced, we danced. And, and I saw him leaving. I said, okay. Uh, no, no, I, I, sorry. First, I came up to him. And he was talking to two other men and I just took my arm around him. Hey, hey friend. I just, I wanted like to, like to Can see I, nothing happened. Yeah. Like, let's talk about this. You know, I'm a dad, like, I just like, hello friend. And he just looked at me. He keep on talking with those other guys. And I, I said like, something happened here. Like what just happened, right? Okay. He left. I was cycling back home and then I see him somewhere getting a foot. So I stopped and I asked, hey, can you tell me what's happened there? Like, what's happened there? And uh, and he said, yeah, uh, you rejected me. And I was really hurt. Like, you rejected me. And um, I said, look, I didn't reject you. I rejected your offer. Mm, good distinction. And... I come up to you, say hi, because I wanted to talk and I, I saw something happen, but you would not even talk to me. Like, and we are adults and we, you know, like between him and me, there was nothing before it's all this, but there is this expectation. He behaved like five years old mm. child who wanted a lollipop. He didn't get the lollipop, so he's angry. And he said to me, you know, I fought in this moment at you and I just like, I was so angry because you rejected me. And I said, I didn't reject you. I rejected your offer mm. and I have the right to say no. This was the offer. And someone can say yes, no, or give the counter often, but you just left. Like, yeah, but I feel, you know, he felt hurt and so on and so on. Mm. And this is the pattern men do all the time to women. Mm. I just wanted to name it because it's one of the patterns that they want you like to, you know, to, I need to justify why I'm saying no. I don't need to justify. 
They do it all over, uh, like all the time. His ego, whatever this is happening. Well, I would no. consider it a trauma response. Yes. And he's in trauma response and can and name yeah, it because men don't get it. And my friend says, wow, I would just like, I would not even care. I said, you know, but I wanted to stop. I wanted to see what's happened because mm-hmm. I talked to him before. I found him normal. Like I liked him like normal guy. And also if I would just like uh, react like, you ask or something, I would just perpetuate the problem. And I said to him, do well, you want It sounds want like to? you had a connection yeah. and you wanted to maintain and establish at least the playful dance connection. Yeah, here. or just to like see what, yeah, exactly what's going on for you. And I asked him, do you want to see how does it look like from my side mm-hmm. for a woman? Because he, if you say like, he said, I'm, I will never ask you again this question. I said, that's okay. But, you know, it looks like you danced with me and you talked to me just because you wanted to go to bed, right? Because now when I said, no, you are not going to dance with me. You're not going talking to me. You turn your, you know, you turn uh, back on me and, mm. and that's it. So this happens between men in this, those relationships, men and women, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. I hear it a lot from women. Mm-hmm. Men play this game because they feel they can and we are you know uh we are we have to justify why i don't want to and uh, why would i not want to because he's such a great successful guy and and mm-hmm. and also like uh if you play it like you know the same way as he did you just perpetuate because now i just proved that he was right thinking of me badly she said no how did she dare right and she is she is crazy she said you know Instead of that, I went and talked to him, right? Yeah, I don't know how much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how much was he able in this moment. But I think it's important when we notice those moments. Yes. Yeah, I feel like you have a nuance, like even your capacity to in real time for him to say you rejected me. I think a lot of us might freeze if somebody responded that. Like, number one, I was a little impressed for his ability to say it. But I think it's because you went up, right? Yeah, so I we know there. I waited for him and he knew like so I want everyone listening to this. Like if you're if you're a woman that's ever had that instance, no, what we do, right? So much easier is being like, oh well, fuck him, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so this is what you mean by carrying on that pattern. But what you did is you disrupted it and then you said, What happened? So you're calling out a dynamic. There's a power dynamic that got collapsed from a simple ask and then a simple response, right? And that power dynamic is what we're, we're, we're naming as the predatory one because his response isn't exactly predatory and your response is it. It's, it's the dynamic that, that you decided to kind of illuminate in that moment by going up and saying, what's going on? So he says, I, I, I feel rejected. A, kudos to him for saying it. And then more though, kudos to you for being like, no, I didn't reject you. I rejected your offer. And that's such an important distinction because we grow up in a culture where depending on your own environment, you might learn that rejection means rejection of you. And so that's the trauma pattern, which you might go into, in his case, he went into flight, right? He flee. He was like, I'm out of here. I don't want to talk to you because he just didn't even know what to do with himself. Um, 
but somebody else could um, get aggressive, right? They could have the fight tendency and, and start calling you names or something like that. Either way, the dynamic we play is the cat and mouse, right? It's like, well, fuck him, he's a terrible person, blah, blah, blah. And then we find another man and we keep playing that same dynamic. But to stop the pattern basically comes up and confronts it to say, well, what happened? And each of us has to be willing to meet at that table and say, fuck, yeah, what, what did happen? Let, let's track that back. And, and this goes back, I feel, to what you said about each of us have to build the capacity to hold whatever we're feeling mm-hmm. and not run away from that. And so historically, if we've grown up in cultures that don't give us permission and, and allow us or teach us and support us to feel a range of emotions, we got a lot of unlearning to do. And then we get a step into the arena of learning. But like awareness, unlearning is unlearning. It means you're going to fuck it all up all the time because you're noticing stuff you do that you can't actually stop. And that's really frustrating. It's frustrating to be in a place where you're like, look at me, do that again. Mm -hmm. I just reacted that way again. But that's a part of it. It's a part of the unlearning. It's a part of the noticing. It's like, oh God. And this is where the, what you, what was the saying you said? Thank you for showing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Look at me do that again. Like start to celebrate yourself in noticing the patterns because the patterns trace us back to the original imprint, that original imprint that frankly is predatory because it disconnects us from our essential self and that inner knowing And we grow up thinking that that's just the way it is. And if we have steeped in predatory patterns that we think are us, then we grow up actually innately thinking that there's a part of us that doesn't, isn't worthy to be fulfilled and happy and whole. And I've come to learn that's kind of the nature of intentional predatory behavior is to constantly keep you in that cycle of not realizing how powerful you actually are. And so we have to get better at recognizing it all around us in all the environments. You can't go to a spiritual community and not find extreme amounts of predatory behavior, you know, religious communities, business culture, like everywhere. So we got to get better and better at building our inner capacity to notice it mm-hmm. um, and not condemn it, but be willing to, um, detangle the the complexity Mm -hmm. of how it's formed us and how we actually can um, create new formations called us Mm -hmm. with with better parts, you know, with with all of us on board. Yeah. Yeah, And I think just, uh, I'm I'm feeling like we are coming to the close. Um, People want to change the world. And I always say, or want to help others. And I always say like, there's only one, person you can change it's yourself don't change the world change yourself mm. like work on yourself you know you have just one person mm. it's so simple it but is. it's not easy it, it really is and I, I just feel like again you could bring up such a poignant point in like when you end up on the awakening journey you start waking up to maybe trauma patterns or to just other ways to live, that there's more possibility than you ever thought existed. Whatever you call awakening for yourself, 
it's very easy to become susceptible to then wanting to teach the first modality that changes your flipping life. Like you have a life altering experience with this particular practitioner or that particular coach or that particular environment. And then suddenly you're chasing down the rabbit hole of that certification. And while that actually might be your calling and I'm not saying it isn't, I do ask you to pause and just to realize that you're allowed to have transformational experiences to undo your own experience without having to jump into helping and teaching others. Because as Anya so poignantly pointed out, you don't have to go out to the world to change it. You change it by going inward to yourself and staying there, staying with those uncomfortable feelings and notice when you're propelled to jump back out of you to try to help other people. And maybe you just learned the benefits of becoming vegan and suddenly now you're telling everybody they should be vegan or whatever it is, but notice because that in and of itself is a predatory pattern. We've changed the environment. So now we're in the healthy environment. We're no longer drinking in the bar, but we're drinking the green juice. And now we're creating a whole website about why the whole world needs green juice. And that itself becomes the predatory pattern repeating itself. So we can get caught up in it. And remember, it's because, heck, these predatory patterns have formed us. They live in our loins. They live in our body. They live in our nervous system. And like coaches like Anya talk about, like I talk about, we have the ability to create new patterns because our nervous system is that brilliant. So what more do you have to say to listeners? Enjoy enjoy the journey into yourself. It's the longest, uh, the most interesting, intriguing journey and unpredictable one you can take. Uh, and it's worth it. And then how about in um, being able to not get uh, swirled up in um, predatory environments on their quest and learning? Uh, go back to your body. Like the body knows, like you will sense it. Yeah, like move, there are people like you move from your body in a sense. If it doesn't make sense now, it's just like, feel like every moment, if you don't know what to do, like ask your body, what do I feel in this moment? What do I feel? Just simply like, what do I feel? Where do I feel it? What's there? What's present? What's present? Stay. Like find your way to get grounded, whether it's in the nature, in the dance, find a way. Animals, nature always like brings us back to the balance. And some relationships we will have to end. Like we need to move on sometimes. Mm. And that means also ending relationships, Mm. moving on to a new place, to the new job not running away, but just moving on towards something new, right? There is a difference. So things have to break off in order for new things to to birth. And remember, we're biological organisms before we're anything else. So that process of death has to occur in order for new things to to find Mm -hmm. their way, just like um, planting a garden, you know, and we're learning to till the soil of our own bodies and really listen to the wisdom of our bodies. Um, How can people get a hold of you and um, get connected with you? Um, you can connect with me via LinkedIn, looking for Anna Sumara or my website, www. Uh, 
It's actually Anya, A-N-I-A, Sumara, S-U-M-A-R-A, dot com. That's the easiest way. Or find me in the Facebook also, Anya Sumara. Okay, beautiful. It'll, um, your information's in the show notes, so that's no problem. Thank you so much for this um, enriching conversation. You just had some, some real poignant points that um, can really support us all in, in the journey back home to our own bodies. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me and listening. This has been another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture. If you need support beyond this listening space, you can connect with me at gurunishan.com. I'm a writer, speaker, and trauma healing activist offering free and paid resources, online courses, and consulting in personal and professional reinvention. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, please email me at gn at gurunishan.com or check the show notes for details. Please also like, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with someone that you love. Please remember your listening and sharing support is greatly appreciated. The information presented in this podcast are for general educational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are solely the views of the individuals involved. By listening, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of a trained therapist, doctor, or health professional, or otherwise to substitute for professional mental health, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Guru Nishan LLC and affiliate organizations shall under no circumstances be liable to any listener of the podcast or viewer for any action or inaction on your part as a result of the content you consume on this podcast or for any adverse reaction, including any emotional distress you experience as a result of consuming this podcast.